Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I said it as a joke earlier today. I said, imagine it came down to a game winner. Why not? I guess it happened. Nerve-wracking, for sure. You know, I told JoJo in the huddle, I said, as long as you get that down, I got you. So Josh is a former soccer player, never played football until his freshman year. Um, so yeah, he's, he's you know, good leg for us, does a good job in the kickoffs, ice in his veins, and knocked out through at the end there. the game time CT guys I'm not sure they love the FCAC teams but I mean we beat Darien we beat Southampton I mean what else you want us to do hello everybody and welcome to the meat grinder your weekly dose of high school football in Connecticut and I'm your host Sean Patrick Foley with me as always is Pete Laguaga Petey what's up Nothing much, man. Uh, this is it. We're going into the final full Friday night of the season. I can't believe we're already here. Yeah, this is it. The last real Friday night game where everybody's involved. We've, we've got through nine weeks of the season. We're going to go to week 10, which means the week after that, you have a bunch of guys taking fives, and it's on to the Thanksgiving extravaganza, the tradition that won't die, and please don't ever let it die. Speaking of which, coming up on the show, we have the head football coach of Hamden High School, the athletic director, and one of the heads of the football committees and is Tom Dyer. Hamden coach Tom Dyer joining us. He's going to give his opinions on playoffs since he was kind of instrumental in that. Why six? You know, is Thanksgiving on its way out? He plays in a pretty big game, the Green Bowl. And, of course, his team, West Haven, plays well, his team plays West Haven in a big 8-0 versus 8-0 game coming up at Ken Strong Stadium on Friday. But 
At the top of the show, you heard from the jubilant scene at Falcon Field in Meriden where Maloney Pete upends number one, Southington, 31-28 on Josh Scaramuzzo's field goal in double overtime. An amazing game. What can you say about it? I mean, well, well the, the, the main thing we can say about it is, yes, Mr. Fredericks, your team is the number one team in all the land. And uh, a little congratulations. A great job by everybody uh, all overall. You couldn't ask for a better one versus two game. Lived up to the hype. And, uh, you know, we even got an upset out of it, Pete. Yeah, I, not what I was expecting going into that game. I mean, obviously, Maloney's a great program, and, and Kevin Frederick has done an amazing job, you know, since he's taken over, I believe it was eight years ago, uh, to get them to this spot. Um I will say this. I said this on the sideline a couple of times. I had a couple of people come up to me and they're like, you know, I've seen Maloney this year against lesser opponents, not really super impressed and this, that, and the other. You thing. said that a lot. I did say it, but other people said it to me too. Okay. And there, I don't know if there's a coach in the state who can get his team up quite like Kevin Frederick can. I mean, they get up for these games that matter a lot. And he does such a good job of pumping them up, hyping them up, getting them to play at a higher level. And it, it really is very impressive because I've said it on this show. I thought Southington was the best team that I'd seen all year in all three phases of the game. Uh, and Maloney just played incredible on Friday. Just absolutely incredible. I just There were no turnovers in on, on either side. Clean game. Uh, very clean, very clean. And you know what? The big players played well. Logan Cardillo, uh, Logan, Lincoln Cardillo had an awesome game for Southington. Josh Boganski, awesome game for Maloney. Yeah, they were uh, going blow for blow. Yeah. Josh, it was like Scar- I said, I said on Twitter, it was like Rocky and Apollo. Which way was this game going to go? It was like every round. They were well, this was Rocky too. This was Rocky too, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, Kyle Valentine played so well down the stretch Amazing. for Maloney. Jojo Gonzalez with the big catch. John Flynn with two touchdowns for Southington. The big boys played awesome in that game on either team. I, I saw Southington when I was walking out and, you know, I saw Lincoln Cardillo and a couple of the guys and they were staring at the scoreboard being like, all right, like now it's time to, to move on, focus on next week. There's a bigger goal at hand, but it was wild. I mean, I, I was nervous. I'm on the sideline. I'm like nervous. I'm like, Oh my God, who's going to win? Or are yeah. we going to overtime? But I didn't say it out loud, but our friend Gabby at NBC did. She jinxed everybody. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, just a wild, just a, it lived up to everything that we thought it would be. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it was my first time. That was the thing I said, Pete, I don't think I've seen Maloney or Southington in years. And you're like, well, we got to go. Pete, we had a great time. We, yeah, it was nice. You know, we, we, we uh, got a little Kayla Mays, as you as you said. And uh, we got there nice and early. Je- Jeff Jacobs showed up. And then we got, saw Dama Mori from The Current. He showed up. And uh, was, all everyone the guys was there. there. All, all the stars were out. You know, we even yeah. saw your old boss, huh? Yeah, I got to see Brian Carpenter, which was great. Love BC. Uh, he was there. Pearson from WTNH. You mentioned Gabby from NBC. Yeah. Uh, boy from Splash Productions. Yeah. Uh, Rain was there. I mean, everyone was there. It was we awesome. Took a, little, took a little selfie here. I'll show the good one because uh, I know Gabby was mad and I put up the other one. I thought she was posing. That's why she <laughs> showed the other one. If you want to go on Twitter, you can see it. But she was mad. I'm like, what? I guess she was just no, doing was, her hair. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just a great it was a great night. I mean, the game yeah, lived up fun. to everything. It was just 
Oh, I was exhausted after. I mean, I know Kevin Kevin said after the game to me that he was really tired and he needed something to eat. But when I, we got in that car, I finished writing my story. We were driving home. I was like, oh, I am beat. <laughs> you know, Southern didn't actually had a, a lead in that game. And there was a point where, Pete, you know, you thought they just needed to run that clock, you know, run the clock out. And I, I thought the one when they needed it, they had a chance late. I didn't talk to Mike Drury. You did. But there was a chance to win late, and it seemed like they didn't. I think there was like three minutes left. Maloney had gone for it on fourth down, didn't get it. it. Was like in their own, deep in their own end, and I'm like, all right, now there's like three minutes left, or it was like four minutes left. Good job by Maloney, but suddenly it only ran like a minute of clock off before they had to punt it right back. You know, they're throwing the ball a little bit, and then they tried to run, and they. But Maloney's defense forced the issue there, but also I didn't feel like there was a lot of urgency, Pete. From uh from Southington, I could be wrong. You know, I maybe maybe Cardillo needed the ball there, and maybe he was out. I don't know. I don't remember him carrying the ball that much in that on that drive. Um, so it, it was it was a little interesting. So and they were able to get the ball back. You know, uh, and Bing Bang Boom, right down the field, and they were able to tie the game. Yeah, it, it, not even Bing Bang Boom down the field. They score. They're still down two. That's right. And they got to go for two. It was inches away from being over. And the ball tips up right into Dante Kelly's hands. And he he had, you want to talk about, we talked about the big players who showed up for this game. If there's any kid in this game who just threw his name on our radar for All-State, it's Dante Kelly. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, what an unbelievable game by the junior offensively and defensively. I mean, he was locked in on John Flynn. The whole game, I mean, he allowed two touchdowns to Flint, but made two great batted passes or pass defense, whatever you want to call them, in overtime in the end zone on John. I mean, just a baller. Now, this is a Maloney team that had 24 interceptions last year, I believe. They had the Ballhawks, right? Shelton, JoJo uh, was on the team last year. Tylee Flowers. And you were like, how are they going to replace these guys? Never mind. Question answered. Yeah. I don't know, though. I'm sure Southern was looking at that play there in the first. I uh, was at the second overtime. He was right. He has armed right draped right over Flynn. You know, I was shocked that Southern didn't kick up more of a stink about that. Uh, it was really close for a high school game. You know what? Maybe you keep the, the flag in your pocket there. You don't want to see that type of thing win it. Um, but on four, it was fourth. It was, it was fourth down, right? Yeah, that was the path on fourth down. Looking at the replays, it looked like Kelly got there just before the ball did. Did he pull his arm down or anything? No, it didn't look like that. It, it could have been called legitimately, I guess. Um, but the ball did take off um, Flynn's arms, and then it was right back to uh, to Maloney, and all they needed was a field goal. And, you know, there was a great play that was made in, 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 in on Boganski on third down. But they didn't need. I mean, but they didn't need it. They go to Scaramuzzo, who's our guy. Apparently, he's watches and reads everything. He's all on Twitter all the time. I'm so happy for him because he yeah. has liked everything. Retweets all the football posts, not just Maloney stuff. He's just a big fan of high school football in the state. So it was nice to actually get to write about him. But I will say that was his first field goal of the year. Kevin said it to me like, "This is his first field goal. Like, we try to score touchdowns. We want yeah. touchdowns." That's um, amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, first one this year. He had a couple last year. First one this year. Um, you know, kicking's <laughs> I said this to you. Kicking is not a big strength for either Maloney or Platt since Kevin and his brother Brian were at Platt. 
they were both pretty good kickers. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but not really a strength for them. But you know, I was at games where Maloney and when I was at the record journal, Maloney or Platt had a chance and they just didn't have a guy who can kick. So they would go for it, fail. Um, you know, there was like a game against Windsor years ago, just like games where you're like, Oh my god, if Maloney had a kicker, they 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 would have won. Uh but no, it's nice to see. Great kid. Uh, awful. I mean, you know, it was a not the greatest snap in the world. No. Um, but JoJo, but Jojo did a nice job getting that thing down. Dude, that kid is just all around just a great, great football player. Yeah. Uh, got it down. Scarmuzo hits it. And Maloney is undefeated. And uh, they were pretty vocal about uh, whether or not they should be number one or not. Well, I think we all knew that they were going to go going to be number one, although with our voters, you know, who, who the heck knows? I'm uh, shocked that it fell the way that I thought it would or the way that I tweeted out that it should fall. It did. Well, they don't make much, you know, they don't do much movement. In fact, I think. I, well, we'll get to it in a second. I think our voters, they're a little slow <laughs> most times. Uh, but uh, let's go to the top 10. You know, we talked about. Can I just quickly jump in now that Maloney's number one? I would like to give just a little oh, word sure. of advice for the Maloney people. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Get a to the Maloney fan group, okay. No more, we're slept on. We're slept on. No more, we don't get respect. Okay, you were number two in the poll last year after you guys won the Class L championship. You are the defending state champions of Class L. Okay, you've been in the top 10 all year. You were number two going into the game against Southington. Now you're the number one team. I don't want to hear no more about we don't respect Maloney or we don't respect the CCC because Southington was number one since week three. Okay, and I, I said this to Kevin Frederick when he made the comment about, oh, the voters, the FCAC, all that. Totally get that. I said on this show and the Pickham show week three, it is going to be the week of reckoning for the CCC when Southington knocked off Greenwich and Maloney beat Darien. I said it. Okay, so I'm tired of this. We don't respect them thing. You guys are number one. It's something Kevin has wanted. He wants to be number one at the end of the year. I totally get that. But this is what his plan was when he took over the program, right? Win state championships, be in the conversation for the best team in the state. You are not only in the conversation, you're at the head of the conversation, right? Right, right now. So I don't want to hear this disrespect or this and this. You're here. You wanted the X on your back. You have the X on your back. All right. We respect Maloney. The voters clearly respect Maloney and we respect the CCC. This isn't like me with baseball. Well, here's the thing. I have a, here's the thing I have a problem with. All these guys think that we do the ranking like specifically. <laughs> you know yeah, that's mean? true. We like, are not one. voting. We're, we're guys. We ask people in the state. Now you want to take the media to task. Okay, fine. No. That's fair because that's what it is. You look at it; those are first place votes. You see, twenty one after Maloney, they got twenty one first place votes. West Haven got the other two first place votes. Okay, they're eight no as well. So that's not a bad one. But remember, guys, we don't pick the teams. We are we all vote on the teams. Now, are our voters a little weird sometimes? Absolutely. I mean, I, it took them a long. They still haven't uh, put Wyndham over Killingly, even though Wyndham was, but. Still haven't done that, but it took them a while. But anyway, so it's a little it's a little odd. Uh, but look, again, let's go. Just going back and looking at the top 10. Here it is. Maloney, number one, uh, 21 first place votes. Uh, the other two went to West Haven down at number four. But uh, Southington, not too, too far behind at uh, number two at seven to one. Number three is Greenwich. Again, lost to Southington. So that's fair. Number three, Greenwich. So you have a hierarchy here. 
Number four is West Haven, which probably doesn't have as good a schedule as those two teams, but it's not as bad as it used to be. They're going to have their chance this week, the next two weeks, actually. They got Hamden on Friday, and then two weeks later, not even, they got Fairfield Prep. So that's a huge swing here for West Haven, uh, a team that didn't go to the playoffs. Now now they're in, but uh, so it's West Haven's time. They have a lot. They have, they're going to have a say in this, no question. Number five is St. Joseph, Pete. It's Stanford, now 17 to 13. Now, I know Riley Jordan was out, and he's been having a great week the last two weeks, but uh, 17 to 13, St. Joseph, that's a little concerning. Although, unless you're kind of on the defensive side, I think, you know, you're, you're still in a decent spot there. Yeah, that was very uh, eye-opening and head-scratching and just what happened. But you win, you move on, yeah. you clean your hands, and you get ready for uh, – they got West Hill this week. Yeah. And then and Trumbull good, on Thanksgiving. So It's a good game for St. Joe's to figure out what would happen if they probably Sur- had to leave. Survive in advance. Yeah, so good good job by Stanford. I know everyone's going to give them pats on the back. I'm sure Stanford, you know, at least they can try and build off this. But, uh, you know, uh, St. Joseph now, they got – they have uh, West Hill coming up next. West Hill has really struggled. I wouldn't worry too much about St. Joseph unless West Hill hangs around. Uh, and then they got Trumbull the rest of the way. So it's kind of like practice for St. Joe the rest of the way. Number six, New Cannon beat up a bit on Ludlow, 42-20. to 20. Uh, Ty Groff kind of getting his legs back. You know, they're going to need him in the playoffs. And uh, good to see him. 11 for 14, 82 yards and a TD. You know, nothing, you know, that blows your doors off. But they need to get ready for Darien toward the end of the season. Uh, number seven, Hamden. We'll talk to Tom Dyer in a little bit about his team. They beat up on Hill House, 35-0. Eight, Ansonia, 8-0. They defeated Watertown. Now we get their state, we get back to their playoff games here. They got Seymour, and then obviously they got Naugatuck, the West Way, the one we're all waiting for. Can Seymour beat the Chargers? I doubt it, but... Uh, you know, regardless, they're going to be a top team in Class S. And then finally, some weird flip here, like I was talking about with the voters. Staples moves up to number nine and North Haven down to number 10 by a fairly large, what, 22-point margin here. What did Staples do, guys, uh, that uh, really blew your doors off? I mean, 49 nothing. I mean, they didn't do anything else special. North Haven beat Hand 35-14 better than Fairfield Prep did or some of the other teams did. I don't know what the situation is there. Here's my theory, Pete. Some of our voters just take the poll from last week and then readjust it. That's why. I think so. I think that's the case. I think you, you'll see that when a team kind of sneaks in and someone doesn't have them on the ballot. And then when they vote the next week and they see, oh, this team was eight, they won. Okay, I guess I should put them in my top yeah, 15 exactly. now. <laughs> just just wow. So there's your top 10 poll. But that doesn't matter right now. I know Kevin, Barrett, they're very thrilled. He wants to be number one at the end of the season. And and to do that, you need to first win a state championship. The good news for Maloney is they take the number one trophy into the, well, unless they lose their next two games, they will take the, they have it in their hands now. They have an opportunity to take the number one trophy into the Class L playoffs this week. So that said, now kind of the, the, the final number one team, it all depends on what Maloney does. If Maloney wins his next two, goes on to win a state championship, nobody's taking the number one trophy away. It is in their hands right now. So uh, a very rare spot there for Kevin and his guys. Uh, but let's look at the, the rankings. Now, again, we've been talking about this all year. They are just brutal. Everything's just a mess. Uh, it's getting a little tighter in some of the other divisions, but looking at class double L, uh, you're pretty much finished here. Um, only thing we're really waiting on 
is who are going to be the final two spots. Uh, there's really just not a lot of teams left. Um, the only teams that are left are Ridgefield, which just lost last week to Trumbull in a game that uh, their quarterback, Keller, got hurt, and it could be out for the season. Our guy. Yeah, which would be a tough – Just Keller, had, he's been great the last two – you know, years, it's been fun to watch him and, and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, that's a tough break for him and uh, in Ridgefield. But looking at the rest of it, Glastonbury is number eight. Fairfield Prep is number seven. I think Trumbull at number six, they, they have a chance to knock Danbury out and basically solidify their spot. Staples, Hamden, Southington, West Haven, Greenwich going up the list here. Uh, it's pretty much done. I think Prep needs to win one more game. They got North Haven this week. That'll do it. Or West Haven. That'll do it. Glastonbury will do itself a huge favor by knocking off Maloney this week. If not, then Simsbury. And then that will basically be the entire field unless these teams lose and opens the door maybe for the winner of Ridgefield, Danbury, maybe. But then Ridgefield's got to be Staples. Uh, New Britain, Crosby, they're going to have a hard time getting up in there. Uh, I don't really see it being. No, neither do I. I think this eight is pretty solidified. Um which it's kind of cool. You could start looking at potential quarterfinal matchups. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, look at it. I look, things will change, but right now West Haven and prep play the night before Thanksgiving. And if the standings stay the same, they'll play three days later, four days later. Yeah. So, you know, I would, that happened with Rockville and Ellington last year yeah. and Rockville won both of them. Uh, we've obviously seen it with new Canaan and Darien before, but it, I think it's usually in the semifinals. Uh, but, that should be interesting, but, you know, Glastonbury, you know, we'll go to Greenwich. Again, this is all if everything stays the same. Trumbull to Southington, Staples, Hamden. Like, there are some intriguing potential matchups, I see. Moving over to Class L, St. Joseph with one loss is your number one team there, 7-1. It's just the strength of schedule thing with 255 schedule strength points compared to Maloney's. 185. It's just St. Joseph's schedule we talked about all year long has been ridiculous. So they got a lot of wiggle room and, uh, you know, they win those last two games. They're going to be your number one seed going away. They may even have a shot if, let's just say, well, if Maloney wins two, they'll probably grab it if St. Joseph loses. But still, St. Joseph has that one loss. Getting your number one seed will be wild over at over 8-0 Maloney. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Uh, number three is Naugatuck. Again, they have Woodland and so Potent Woodland and Ansonia, but they're not in any any danger of missing out here. And uh, Chet Hall. Chet Hall is back for the Greyhounds. Oh, that's good to hear. Well, we're glad yeah. to hear that. So that should change things a little bit. That'll be an interesting game for the Pinho Trophy uh, at Woodland, uh, which has got a keeping bunch of points there for them to maybe get a home game in the playoffs. Newtown still winning. They've won seven straight games. You know, they got a tough game, a couple games coming up left. New Fairfield, Massac, they're still not in danger of missing out here. If they get one of those, maybe me look, be looking at a home game. New Canaan at number five. Ward and Darianne left. They're going to be fine. They're, uh, they're going to be the, the, the big game, though, was Shelton getting back into the mix. You know, they were struggling a little bit with Cheshire, which now sits in seventh place. But Ricky Fiola picks off a pass, goes 75 yards the other way. Shelton pours it on with four touchdowns. And uh, gets out of there, 34-14. A big win for the Gales to put them back into a playoff spot. Uh, still, they got Notre Dame and Xavier left. They should win at least one of those to make sure they get in. Uh, and then Cheshire didn't really move. Cheshire loses the game, doesn't move. They stay in seventh place. 
they're probably gonna unless they want to have to beat Southington. They're probably gonna need. They're gonna have to beat Xavier to make sure that they have a, a playoff spot to stay above the rest of the field, which includes Darian at five and three. Darian's got McMahon and New Canaan left. Uh, let's assume New Canaan beats them. It's who knows though. That game is always a toss up. Uh, they'll beat McMahon. They can at least finish six and four, maybe Darian. The only X factor, well, the only real, realistic X factor here would be Middletown, which would put itself in the conversation this week by beating Weathersfield. If the Dragons beat Weathersfield this week, it could cause problems for Cheshire, Darian, if they finish six and four. Is a Middletown would have a good shot if they beat Berlin on uh, the week on uh, th- the week before Thanksgiving. Middletown would probably get in over one of those two schools. Maybe even Shelton. The Shelton can't finish the deal. So Shelton, Cheshire, and Darian at six, seven, and eight. They need to each win once to at least ensure themselves a, a, a chance to get in there. If you win twice, you're probably going to outpoint Middletown. But that said, Middletown's going to get a lot of points. They could, they're going to surpass somebody. So if Middletown wins two here, uh, it's going to be really tough. Same kind of goes for New Milford, although they got Barlow and New Fairfield left. That's going to be a, a tall order for them. But they could, if they win those two games, they might put themselves in the mix too. Um, so that's what class l looks like right now any thoughts pete it i'm intrigued by middletown i think i said it a couple of weeks ago on this show like kind of don't sleep on them uh weathersfield's a really good team they're young but they're good you know matt mckinnon does a great job and then berlin we talked about berlin when i saw them like i was like they have a really good chance to go nine and oh but middletown's gonna be this big school that they're gonna have to face I'm excited to see what the Blue Dragons can do. I mean, obviously, the first one starts at Weathersfield, but it's pretty yeah. nice to see Middletown back in the mix this year. Weathersfield with seven wins is going to get them a lot of points and yeah. put them right. And they might even jump a Darien team that beats McMahon or a Cheshire team that beats Xavier. It's It'll be – they're close. But the thing that's helping Cheshire, Shelton, and Darien out is that they have a ton of schedule strength points, and Middletown just doesn't. They yep. play in the SEC. They play in the FCAG. Middletown doesn't have, and Middletown's in the lower tier of the CCC, so they don't play the same type of schedule, and that's kind of hurting them a little bit. Anyway, moving on to Class Double M, uh, Windsor seems to be making the move here at number ten. It's still a tall order here. They're probably going to need EO Smith to to uh, to lose. But let's start at the top. SMSA eight and zero, they're fine. Northwest United seven and zero, they're fine. North Haven seven and one. They got Prep and Amity left. They're probably going to beat Amity. Uh, Fairfield Prep is the big one, but if they beat one of those teams, they're going to be in. Killingly 7-1. Uh, they are likely in. Stonington and Woodstock left. Thames River 7-0. They're going to be in. They have Platt Tech, O'Brien, Quinnebog left. Weathersfield, we just talked about them. Middletown and then Newington. Both games are going to be tough. Newington, a rivalry game. And Newington has suddenly come on. Finally, Pete. They had they had such a tough schedule to start the year. I mean, uh, that was just crazy. But they're back in it. Uh, good for Newington. But well, you know that game's always kind of a a toss up too. I saw them a couple of years ago on Thanksgiving, and uh, it was really close. And there was a lot of All State players on that field that day. If you can get the eight wins here, you're going to be in a good spot. Seven and three will probably be a good spot for you. Uh, but, you know, it might open the door for somebody else, especially if you don't have a, as good a schedule. So if Weathersfield wins uh, Middletown or Newington, they're going to be fine. Platt getting itself back in the mix. But Platt has Bloomfield and Maloney next. Maloney, obviously, rivalry game, starter bowl, you never know. Bloomfield's on a roll. 
They haven't lost in four weeks or four or five weeks. So uh, Platt, if they're in number seven right now. If they want to stay in the mix, they're, they're probably going to need to win one of those games. Otherwise, am, they could finish six and four, and they could finish out of the running here. I'm very intrigued by Platt. Uh, they're finally healthy. We talked about it. Um, Bloomfield, this might be a good shot for Platt to get Bloomfield. Uh, you know, Blue, Platt's only losses are to Berlin and North Haven, right? Eight and seven wins. They got Bloomfield with six, Maloney with eight. Um, you know, that's a tough, tough schedule. Um, but I mean, come on, if the Stoddard Bowl on Thanksgiving morning comes down to playoffs, I mean, we I saw can. what happened. We saw what happened in 18. I mean, that was wild. So, I mean, that game already has height, uh, you know, it has like hype and it's crowded, but playoff points, uh, you know, I wonder what Jason Bruin and uh, his OC, Brian Frederick, will have up their sleeve this time. Because remember, in 2018, they came out in the single wing in the second half, and Maloney had no idea how to defend it. And uh, got Platt into the playoffs, and they went to the semifinals, which then they lost to Maloney. But I, I just love that, when the Stoddard Bowl or like a rivalry game like that means playoff implications. Sign me up. They got to get past Bloomfield first, though. Yeah, they have to get past Blue. If not, they're gonna that door is gonna open for them for for anyone else below them. Massick obviously six and two. They got Brookfield and Newtown left. If they beat Newtown, they're definitely in. If they beat Brookfield, they're probably gonna be in too because Newtown's gonna still gonna at least give them some schedule points there to play with. Same with Platt. Platt will play those teams. If if they lose to both of them, they still get a lot of playoff schedule strength of schedule points yeah. too that might help Platt. But if you look down here, who else is catching them? Maybe Windsor, because Windsor also has Bloomfield. They'll get some points. South Windsor this week, they should win that game. If Windsor can finish 7-3, and three, I think they'll have enough to get catapult over E.O. Smith. And if Platt can't finish the deal, I like Windsor getting in at number 8. Maybe even higher than that. We'll we'll see. But Massick, uh, again, I think Massick's going to be a good spot, uh, especially if they can uh, win both of those games. The Newtown one will be key. So that's class double M. Guilford. Didn't do itself a favor by getting knocked off by foreign, uh, even though, you know, it was they they were down three touchdowns late, made it interesting. Uh, but Guilford falling to five and three, still have East Haven in hand left, probably not gonna be enough points. Willinoy, they're they're six and three, and they have Norwalk left. That's it. They played nine games, they're gonna end their season this week, and then they play the waiting game and see if they can get enough points. They're gonna need a lot of help there. The long, long, long waiting game. Their final game is on November. 10th. Yeah. They're not going to find out their playoff potential or whether they're in or not until November 24th. That's two full weeks of call, waiting. You should call Andy Gion up and find out what he did back back when Xavier had to wait. To we should just happened. have EJ. We should have EJ on the show. He could be our guest every week. We could go. We could go through. Yeah, yeah. He, he listens. He listens to the show. I love EJ. But, but that'll uh, be tough. Cheney Tuck is Tech is also down there with with three losses, but uh, they're going to need a little bit more than that. Uh, beating ATI would probably help it, but they're, they're at 795, uh, and that's kind of tough right now. So uh, I think right now I like Windsor's chances if it can beat Bloomfield. If it doesn't beat Bloomfield, then you open the door a little bit for Win Wilton, maybe somebody else. Uh, but if Platt, if Platt loses, that'll help as well. So anyway, that's Class Double M. Class M is, well, it's really a mess. Uh, Berlin and Law are fine. Notre Dame West Haven, we mentioned a billion times. Notre Dame West Haven can lose its final two games, Shelton and Hamden, which is certainly possible, and still make the playoffs here at three. They're number three with three losses, which is ridiculous. They have so many. They have 
245 schedule strength points, and they're only going to get more with Hamden and Shelton coming up with. They're fine. Rockville's got Cromwell, Portland, Staff, struggling Stafford, and Ellington left. By no means are they a lock at four, although I do think they have accumulated enough points here. ATI, Cheney Tech, Wilcox, Kaner, and and Northwest United. Again, they don't have they have a tough schedule the left of the way, rest of the way. Ram, which is really just has a really tough time. They're five and three. They're in number six plays. But Bloomfield and Platt gave them the business the last two weeks. I think they were outscored 97 to 7, Ram. Uh, so, uh, you know, Avon left and Bacon Academy. They should win those games uh, to get to seven and three. But, uh, and then we then we get into just a mess here. Hartford Public had its game postponed uh, from last week versus uh, Northwest Catholic. I I don't know when they're going to reschedule it. Have they rescheduled it? Let's they have not. They Still have says not. November 5th. So I don't know what the deal is with there. Woodstock had a really interesting win over Fitch this week. 38-22. Good for them getting back on the on the you know I I know I don't like the playoff points and everything but I do like the idea of teams that have been making a move up the ladder a bit and making uh, probably making the playoffs. Woodstock is in eighth place and uh, there's a bunch of teams. They're four and three, not out of the woods yet. They got NFA, Enfield, and Killingly to finish. Uh, then you have East Line below them. Lyman Hall could get in there maybe at six and four if everybody kind of loses around possible. Avon in the running. Anybody with four losses here is in the running for one of those final two spots. Ram, I mean, you know, so Ram is in there and Hartford Pucks. It's a mess at the bottom. I don't even want to begin to figure that one out. Uh, but the top of the division here, Berlin Law and Northern and West Haven are definitely uh, in great, great spots. I think pretty much Law and Berlin are clinched, you know, unofficially. Uh, Class S, Cromwell, Portland, Wyndham, Pete, losing to Ledger in overtime. James Green's mom didn't even believe that they could beat Wyndham. Well, James Green's mom was incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the quote of the year. He gave it to Mike tomorrow today. Uh, I love to hear it. He scores a winner in overtime. You know, they got smoked, Pete, by NFA. And then they yeah. turn around and beat arguably the teams, the leagues, the ACC's best team. Yeah. Uh, so good for Ledger. I counted him out. I mean, NFA hadn't beaten a soul to that point. So, uh, you know, good job by them. Now they're in, along with Cromwell Portons one, Wyndham, obviously they're in two. Foreign, with their huge win over Guilford. Let me tell you about Logan Lee, who was a hero in that game. A 75, 79-yard kick return touchdown that put Foreign up 35-14 to 14 with 10 and change left. And then Guilford comes all the way back. Mike O'Brien scores two of the three touchdowns. They get within 35 to 34 with 311 left. And who broke blocked the extra point? Logan Lee. <laughs> Keeping foreign undefeated at 8-0. Who had foreign 8-0? I have no idea. Pete, I'm amazed by the Lions right now. I, I it's true. I mean, Jack Cushman, their their quarterback, uh, started last year, had an okay year i think he only threw nine touchdowns had nine interceptions completely different player i think he's got 23 touchdowns three interceptions this year um yeah it's great to see from the lines i mean i talked about it at the midseason with them and law and uh that thanksgiving game is still still going to be pretty pretty yeah. packed so. well, one loss between them if all goes well i mean foreign's got to play amity this week i don't know that's you know i know amity has struggled but 
Amity Tier 2, 4 and Tier 3, who knows? And then Law, uh, which should be get your tickets now for the Battle of Milford. Uh, the Mayor's Cup. Is that what it is? The Mayor's Cup? Mayor's Cup, yep. Barlow at 7-1. They're number 7-1. They're number 4 ranked. They got New Milford left. New Milford with a big win. I didn't mention. Big win over Benel to push to give itself a shot in Class L, but mm -hmm. like we said, with that, that'll be a tough one for them. But Barlow plays New Milford. They can knock them right out with a win there. And then Weston finish off. I think Barlow should be okay. I think they'll win those two games and be okay. Uh, they're okay anyway. They're going to get in. Uh, Valley Regional is kind of a week behind everybody. They got three games left. Correct. Old Saybrook and HK. I think Valley is better than all three of those teams. I think they win them all uh, to make that. So that's six teams right there. Ledger's five. Number seven, Granby Canton, Luke Marr, baby. Your boy. My boy. Sending us, sending us the clip on Instagram. Here it is. Luke Marr with a 95-yard fumble recovery touchdown to kind of cap off a pretty big victory over Morgan that gets them the 6-2. and two. It was 38-22 uh, over Morgan to get them the 6-2. and two. They're in seventh place. And uh, they've got capital prep this week and then Coventry. I think they will win those games. And basically, that's seven teams right there. The last one we're waiting on is either Ellington, which has got Morgan, Crack, and Rockville left, or Gilbert Northwest, Hootsatonic, which has got Waterbury, Career, and St. Paul left. They should win those two games. I think Ellington has the tougher road because they got to play Rockville, and you know what happens in that rivalry game uh, on Thanksgiving week, Pete. Yeah, it's the Route, Route 83 Bowl. I yeah. think it's called. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, they played last year for playoff positioning. Rockville got in, and then they played against. Uh, they both got in, but Rockville got the home game, and then they played again a couple of days later. Uh, yeah, obviously, great rivalry. Uh, you know, rivalry in a sense of you know the teams are rivals, but obviously we know the story of Keith Talkis and Eric Knickerbocker and uh, how they kind of you know Eric came up. Uh, in the Keith Talkis coaching tree. Right. So it's nice to see those games matter up in the Pequot this late in the year. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. It's going to be tough, though. They're going to need every point they can muster in that. They're going to need to be Rockville, and then those teams are going to need to help them out a little bit. Gilbert, uh, you know, same deal. They're going to need to win their final two games. I think they should. It's going to be a real – that's going to be – basically that's going to be the nail butter on Thanksgiving week, uh, perhaps. Um, Rocky Hills kind of on the outside looking in there. They got Tallinn left and Cromwell Portland. Let's just say they beat Cromwell Portland and Tallinn. That would put them in the mix perhaps for a spot here, but they have some ground to make up. After that, it's uh, no go for any of those guys below number 10 there. So it's only, again, it's only a three-team race for one spot, basically in SS, and good for them, I guess. But for the rest of us, I wish the rest of the, the division was up for grabs. <laughs> um, anyway... Uh, number uh, number at Class S, Holy Cross got beat, Pete, by Woodland. We were kind of like, Woodland gets a vacation. Now they got to play a real team. Well, <laughs> I mean, what happened there? I don't know. Uh, it's the Dave Stewart curse. Darren Gasperi ran for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown, and then they built a 20-point lead. Holy Cross didn't know what hit him. They only scored on the final possession of the game, a Ligi run. That's a disappointing effort by Holy Cross. Uh, you know, Woodland obviously needed that game to make sure it would be in the top echelon of Class S. I didn't think they had it in, but Joe Lanna was pretty fired up about that win. They're now in with Aunt Sonia here at number one. Holy Cross, despite losing to Woodland, is still number two in Class S at six and two. 
then Woodland, then Bloomfield. We talked about them. They got Platt and Windsor left. By no means are they out of the woods yet. Uh, although I still think they get in because when you get, we'll see in a second, you get to the bottom, no one's going to touch them. New Fairfield, 7-1. They got Newtown, New Milford left. I think they're going to be fine. Seymour's got Ansonia and Woodland left. If they lose to Ansonia, you know, that puts them at three losses. And then they're probably going to have to beat Woodland just to stay afloat here. Just to make sure they have a good good spot. But East Catholic, EO Smith, and Northwest Catholic, they beat those teams. They'll be fine. The only way I see anybody else, Oxford now hanging on to the number eight spot at four and four. So now it's a dogfight with a bunch of four and four teams for that final spot. So basically this is, you know, unless Seymour and East Catholic lose their next couple games, which is certainly possible, especially from Seymour's perspective. Uh, I, You know, it's basically a, 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 all these four and four teams, HK, WCA, North Brantford, North Dame Fairfield, Griswold Wheeler, four and four teams all fighting for one spot there. I couldn't tell you. I know HK's got three game, three more games. I couldn't tell you who's probably going to win that. I mean, Oxford's got an easy, I don't want to say easy. they got to play Crosby this week. If they beat Crosby, they're going to get a ton of points with uh, Crosby being a double L school. And then Derby, I think they went through their new Thanksgiving uh, game. Maybe Oxford gets in there unless, uh, you know, HK wants to beat Valley at the end of the year. It's going to be tough for those other teams. And so I think Class S is, I think Class S is uh, almost set, uh, give or take a few games here. But uh, that's your divisional setup, Pete. You know, again, I haven't done the points yet. I know a lot of these teams have officially clinched already. I just don't know quite which ones are. There might be one or two surprises. It's all about seeding anyway. You win this week, we'll take a much closer look at it uh, to say who's got what needs what. Uh, but it's all going to be about seeding, give or take a few spots here. And again, that's just. That's here we are. We called it at the beginning of the season. Speaking of the playoffs, let's bring one of the guys, the architects to get this thing done um, and get his thoughts on why and where and what the future is for playoffs and, and talk about his big game coming up this week. It's Hamden head coach, Tom Dyer. Joining us now is the athletic director and head football coach. How many times do you hear that these days? Uh, it's Tom Dyer of Hamden. Uh, he's made his way up at Hill House, and then he came over to Hamden. And now getting the Green Dragons off to a great start. Big game this week, and the one we've all been waiting for against West Haven, their rivals. Uh, welcome to the meat grinder, Coach. Thanks. I th This is like the pinnacle of my coaching career, getting invited to the meat grinder finally by Bowley. <laughs> I mean, I almost fell over when I got this call. <laughs> well, then I'm taking credit for it because I texted late Friday night. We were driving back from uh, Meriden, and I said, you know, I was like, we got to get Dyer on. We got to get Tom on. This is the perfect week. So I'm going to take 50% of that credit. Right. I appreciate that, Pete. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> we had to get him on because we, well, first we went to his first first game in a while, right, Tom? We, we knocked well, yeah, we, we, there. we addressed that bully when he came. <laughs> And uh, first game, we, I've seen you in a while. You're kind of like a unicorn a little bit. You and know, we don't see we don't see a lot of flying unicorns, but you yeah. came by, checked us out, and uh, we were excited to have you that game. And, uh, you know, we'll be excited. I, I'm sure we'll have great coverage of West Haven oh my God, yeah. on Friday night. Oh, because West Haven's a, a hell of a team um, and deserves everything, you know, the accolades they've been getting so far this year. Wall to wall coverage, uh, but you were absolutely right. You know, I would drive. I live in Hamden. I live out here in sunny uh, uh, Whitneyville, 
and uh, and I drive by Hamden High School every time to go to go watch Greenwich play. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. See, at least you're admitted. First steps admitting. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see it. I can see the, what's going on because the, they knocked down all the trees there. I can now see the whole field. I always check see if I can see Tom out there doing his thing. Oh, it's you know, crazy. I don't know. <laughs> you can see his assistants, but you know. Two years ago, I was in Hamden for like three years, and I never went to a game at Hamden either. But I always make my way to that preseason scrimmage. That's it. We had a good always, one this year. Yeah. I, I remember P was snapping pictures. He was double duty in that day. Well, oh, we, thought, day. we thought you guys were going to be pretty, pretty good. You know, I mean, you guys lost some pieces last year, but you know, what did you think you had back to, to and listen, and we, we kind of gave you, you know, a hard time about the schedule last year, this year, if you look at it, it's not much different than the other double L's in there. So, uh, you know, you guys did yeah. a great job last year it was eight and two going against Darian and you guys hung in there uh, and then played some great games, beat West Haven. So, but you had some pieces you guys lost and what, you know, what did you know you had back to make uh, uh, maybe even be a better team this year? Well, I mean, first, I mean, this is the first time since I've been here, we had a kid come back at the quarterback position. We've lost a few kids transferring out in my time here when they were young and we started some guys. Um, but, you know, JJ Gibson came back. And I think just knowing you had a guy at that position where you're not starting from scratch um, was a big help to our kids. You know, we got about 14 seniors right now, and uh, we got a pretty good-sized junior class. So we had some kids that played last year that when they played, they were kind of um, role players or, or did little things for the program. You know, and last year we, we, we had a, a pretty good senior group, uh, some All-State players for us, uh, Cam Winder, Ray Morales, uh, Julian Aguilar, those guys were great. We were able to do some things, but we had to win a lot of close games. We didn't, we weren't, we weren't there yet to kind of really put some points on the board. And, you know, we had to do everything right to win this year. Um, we've been fortunate, you know, everybody's a little older. Some guys matured the work that they put in, in the off season um, has really showed uh, for most of the year, but ultimately I think the credit goes to the kids for the work that they put in to improve and, you know, hitting the weight room, uh, hitting the books, doing what they're supposed to be doing. So, uh, you know, they've done a great job up to this point so far. How hard is it? Hamden's a big school. And guys for years be like, oh, why can't they do you know, great stuff? But there's a lot of stuff going on there, as you know, as AD. Yeah. You know, you guys got a lot of competition. You got a lot of schools coming in. They're going, well, we love, you know, you had the, the kids, Tariq Black and all those guys from way back go to Cheshire Academy. They're all Hamden guys. You know, how do you yeah. keep kids here? I mean, how do you keep a guy like JJ in here? How do you kind well, of I, got, I get think, them convince them to buy in? I, I think I, I don't know if it's convinced them to stay. I mean, ultimately, you're talking about somebody's education and parents being comfortable uh, going to the high school. Mm -hmm. I, Hammond High School has a lot of great things going on about it. Um, you know, we don't do the advertising that, say, a private school would do, whether, you know, uh, a Hamden Hall or a Notre Dame and Xavier kind of stuff or prep. You know, they, they have those those big, you know, you see those signs all over every town that you drive through right now about oh, open yeah. houses they have. But, I mean, th there's, a, there's a very strong education that's uh, given to Hamden students. We've had kids going to Harvard and Yale and things like that. Um, and I think ultimately just doing a better job showcasing our students and student athletes is something that we could continue to do uh, to let people know that uh, your son or daughter will be successful if you come to school here. And I think that's the battle that uh, many public schools are getting in right now. And again, when you go to a school as large as ours, um, you know, 1,700 kids, and that, that's definitely a lot of kids. But 
there's a lot of diversity in our school. And by diversity, it's not just, you know, race, race and ethnicity, but it's about kids from different backgrounds and, and things like that. Kids speaking different languages and uh, from different places. Uh, so it, it, it makes a really good melting pot. And, uh, you know, it's a good opportunity at our school for, for kids to get prepared for the real world. Certainly. Um, so, you know, I mean, obviously I, I live here and I see that I see exactly what you're talking about. Every, you know, Notre Dame, you got Xavier, you know, and it's that's not something a public school does. And uh, so I can imagine. But what what does it take? I mean, everyone kind of immediately thought, Tommy, you would jump right in. And all of a sudden you guys are going to be Hill House circa 2010, 2013 uh, or sorry, 2012. You know, one state yeah. championships, you know, but but that wasn't the case. You know, give me a give me a little idea of like what, how different it was and what you had to do to get back to playing at the level you want you as a coach expect your yourself and your players to play. I remember I'll take you back. The first game I coached here was against West Haven. And on the first play of the game, we jump off sides. And on the second play, we uh, our quarterback fumbles the mesh with the fullback, and their defensive lineman picks it up, scoops, and scores. And uh, it was much different because the last time I was on the football field before that was the state championship and, and, you know, holding a plaque at the end of it. I think ultimately, you know, when I came on board, um, a coach isn't come and just – call a play or, or a system and all of a sudden it's just going to work. There's like infrastructure that has to be done. Uh, you know, um, coaching staff alignment, uh, youth program alignment, um, you know, weight room, you know, academic support, things like that. Um, you know, Todd Dowdy was a great guy, great coach. And, and, you know, he, he took it over from Tony Martone as I was just getting here. And I mean, there, there was things that, you know, he was trying to do that he wasn't able to, to do. And then when I came on, you know, uh, I I took basically all the coaches that wanted to return. I took back. I, I didn't bring any of my former staff or anybody with me. So it was a it was an eye opening experience for me working with people that I didn't know a lot at the time. And uh, it, it was good. And, you know, like my defense coordinator now, Paul Panaroni, was just a young coach then. But he was a, a guy that started coming to the weight room every day and helping me out. And I was like, you're going to do the defense and sit down. Let's talk about how it is. Now, you know, when I look at Paul, I, I think of it's like a, it's a beautiful mind. And when he's thinking about stopping somebody, he sees like the numbers floating yeah. up in the, in the air. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. what I think about Paul, what he's doing at his house on Sunday, breaking down some film. So, I mean, uh, I, it, it's been good. Uh, we've had some good buy-in from our youth, uh, Hendon Hurricanes, um, and ultimately – the, the thing that's changed is our kids and our school community understand the expectations that come with playing football. Um, you know, that there's a commitment in the weight room, that there's a commitment in the academics. You know, we, we still do study hall two days a week all year round and things like that, because, um, you know, being part of a program, it's, it's more than just the Friday night wins and losses. And that's what people are measuring me on, obviously, as a head coach. But there there's been a lot of change in the program over the uh, seven, eight years. So you, you know, you were obviously at Hill House, you won a couple of state titles, like you mentioned. Then you take the job at, at Hamden as the athletic director in 2013. Yeah. Did you ever think that you would coach again? Because, you know, I remember when you took the job at Hamden, I had just, or you took the athletic director's job at yeah. Hamden, I was just starting out. And everyone's like, oh, they got a great football coach in the building. Why isn't he the football coach of the program that he's, you know, that he's the athletic director of, did you ever think that you'd be back on the field coaching at the high school level? Uh, 
you know, it's something I always wanted to do. Like my passion for coaching is there. And I mean, when it stops, I'll stop. But I really, I, I think that's the the greatest thing of my job is being able to coach and really get to know kids. As an athletic director, you're sometimes just dealing with the problems and the, the things that happen. But my ability to be a coach, talk to kids and and be able to help educate and, and help them through problems because, you know, no matter where you are, kids are going to, you know, need some advice or role model. So, you know, I, I take that pretty seriously. And I think ultimately when I first got here, I mean, I took the job in August and I mean, I, I was lifting with my previous team up until like, you know, I, I remember the day having to go talk to those kids and tell them I, I was leaving to take this job. You know, it, it was something in my career that I always wanted to do as being an athletic director. I, um, I just didn't think it would have happened as young as it did, you know, in, in my thirties at, at a school like this. Um, but it was, a, it was an option, you know, and, and the kids were happy for me. And, and some of those guys I, I, I still talk to, but I, there was no way I could have like left and ever felt comfortable jumping in with another team, leaving that group of kids that I left behind because, you know, I, you know, kid Harold Cooper, I'm leaving him going into his senior year. Um, right. you, you want to talk about a great kid and a great player. And, and oh, yeah. there was a host of other kids, uh, there too, on that, on that squad. That, that that team had some talent to be competitive. So, you know, when I went in, it, I wanted to be able to support my coaches and I thought it was very important to get in and dive into my programs. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was coaching. Um, but it gave me two years to really evaluate and look at things and be able to support coaches and things. And people learn me and I learn about them and try to grow all of our programs, not just the football program when I took over here. So then, you know, it's a couple of years, um, the position opens up. You're obviously a part of the committee that hires coaches because you're the athletic director. So, you, like, did you walk I, I into wasn't the committee? on the committee to hire a football coach, to be honest with you. No? So, okay. Was, well, that was my I, question. I, just, was, I, I remember at the time I talked to the principal and I just said, you know, it's something I'd be interested in if, if you guys would allow me. And if you would, I, I want nothing to do with the hiring. You, you can do it. If you don't want me, you know, uh, if it's not something you guys will let me do. Um, then, you know, I, I'll start getting the committee together and doing everything. And I think there was some back talk with the board of education and who was comfortable with what, and, uh, we're fortunate to, they, they were in agreement with me trying it out and getting involved, you know, so it's worked out. It's, it's also worked out. We have Amanda Forcucci, who's the director of phys ed in our district. She's our girls basketball coach and she does a hell of a job yeah, she uh, does. with her program. So, uh, it's opened a door for a few other things to happen like that in our district. I, I just imagined you walking in with like a blank resume being like, look, I don't know who this is. Got a couple of state titles on here. No. I don't know. No. He applied. Uh, here, here's his number. And then they texted and your phone buzzes like, right yeah, now. no, I, I didn't get any random uh, zoom call interviews or anything like that. Um, I, I think ultimately, you know, each, uh, each time a job comes open, it's something that, you know, uh, a district has to take seriously and, you know, I was fortunate at the time, our current superintendent, Gary Highsmith, was the principal. And uh, he, he had some, um, he had a vision for what it could look like and uh, allowed me to to be part of it. Yeah, I can, I can see Tom already like taking the, like all the all the resumes and putting them like underneath the pile or putting them in the trash. <laughs> I, I don't know I'm why nobody wants you this like job. I guess interviewing yourself. You know, what yeah. would you do here? And then you turn around, you answer your own question. Yeah, looking at the mirror self, what would you do? One of Saturday Night Live skits, you know? But, you know, you take over and, you know, it's been 
a process, a process, right? I think we yeah. saw it reach, you know, going eight and two last year, making the playoffs. Like uh, Sean said, you beat West Haven, then you beat Notre Dame West Haven in the Green Bowl for the first yeah, time in a long time. Yeah. Um, and now you're eight and oh, you're facing West Haven, who's also eight and oh, and you got West Haven and Notre Dame West Haven to finish the year. I mean, was this always part, like, did you have like a five, six year, seven year plan or like a two year, you know what I mean? Like, is this where you expect it to be eventually? I mean, expected to be, it's tough. You know, when we started out the way we did and it took some beatings that, that first year, you know, it took some tough losses, but I don't think we would be here today if those kids, when I first took over, weren't working as hard as they did because each year, you know, you, you build upon the culture one year after another and it keeps on rolling in. So, you know, I, I, I think about the kids that were playing back then when we weren't as competitive as maybe we could have or should have been. Um, but, you know, the kids each year and the seniors each year risen up the level of leadership that we got from our players ha has improved each year. And I mean, you know, right before COVID, we had a pretty decent team, but we were we were a player two away. You know, we lost a tough game to Sheehan that that there. got them into the playoffs yeah. and, and knocked us kind of out of any hope of doing anything. And then, you know, it was really tough to come back uh, in five days and play Notre Dame and we lost there. And so, you know, some people were like, oh, down season. I thought that season told a lot about our kids and the fight we had. And then it kept on brewing. And then, you know, over COVID, um, you know, we, we made a real commitment. I had a great staff, you know, Paul Panaroni, uh, Chris Trafone, Greg Trafone, uh, Rock Sport, uh, Jake White. These guys all, you know, we, we did Zoom meetings with our kids and, and we checked in on things. We did the leadership training. We did things like that where, you know, uh, we, we still worked on trying to improve our, our, our program, even though we, we were dealt a, a pretty bad hand not being able to play football that year. Tell me, tell me a little bit about this team. You know, obviously we talked a little bit about JJ, but you know, I saw you guys get yeah. prep. You had a bunch of guys out. You had two running backs out, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and we uh, had a uh, you had a Cameron come in. He played amazing. Um, yeah, and but so you guys have a lot of depth. I mean, you're one of the largest schools in the state. But but uh, you know, what did that you know what what did that do for you? That game, considering you had had to overcome some setbacks, you know, and against a team yeah. that went to the state final. And what did coming into that game? What were you just talk about how pivotal that game was for you guys? I mean, that the prep game was there, you know, prep came in just with a really tight loss to new Canaan 14, seven and holding new Canaan to like under 125 yards of offense or something like that. So, I mean, we watch a film and, and, and prep, we, we prep's going to be a playoff team. Prep is a very good team. That's probably one of the last teams, I would be excited to see in the playoffs. I can tell you that not, not at all because no, those right. guys are good football team, well coached, but I mean, going in, I think that was a test for our guys and for them to prove to themselves that they actually belong with them and, and belong in one of the, you know, that we're a good program that we've changed the narrative and things like that. You know, it, it's tough. You know, everybody always says this and says that about your team and your program and your school and your community, so in order to change that, you got to go out and do something about it. And our kids, uh, we, we played a heck of a game, by far our, our most complete game that we played all year. Um, you know, uh, you know, besides, I mean, JJ's a junior and, and his best days are still even ahead of him. But, you know, when you talk about some of our seniors, you know, Tra uh, Travion Singleton, our free safety receiver, he had some huge catches in that game. Also had a, 
an amazing, amazing interception that really changed changed the course of that game. Uh, you know, Anthony Bolden catching the ball, toe tap there at the end of the game, but also some big plays on defense. Um, you know, we have Dan Lindbergh, a tight end, you know, uh, just this last week, um, it was the band senior night at our game, and he, he, he went out and played at halftime with the band in his uniform, you know. So uh, we, we got a real mixture of some kids, you know, Jaden Bordeaux, you know, but what, there's three guys that I think really go unheralded. And it's our um, our senior captain, Russell Saint. He's a two-way starter at center and defensive tackle. And then our two guards, uh, Karan Harrison and Jaden Wesley. Um, you know, none of those guys are over, you know, six foot. But those guys work hard. And, uh, you know, each and every year they got better. And we're in a position we are able to run the ball and do some things because of the work that those guys put in. And, you know, those are like the mushrooms. They grow in the dark and nobody knows anything about it. Kind of, you know, that that's the kind of guys those guys are. And, uh, you know, without guys like that in your program, it's very tough to uh, to to get it going. And, you know, so I, I you know, our, our senior class has done a pretty good job with leadership. Uh, they've managed the locker room well. They've managed adversity well when we faced it. So, you know, I, I'm excited for them. Uh, especially our seniors to see all the hard work because when, when they came in, you know, where the program was and now when they're leaving it, where the, where the program is now, you know? Yeah. You got, uh, I mean, yeah, your senior class for sure, but you know, your juniors, you mentioned Gibson, Kemp, Mills, I mean, they're all coming back. Uh, yeah. you know, and that's, I mean, is that, is that something that maybe, you know, other kids in the school can look at and say like, Hey, we're successful. You know, we got a lot of guys coming back. We now we want to be a part of this. We want to be yeah. a part of this because you guys are having fun. You're winning games. I'm sure you know people are talking at the school like, "Hey, we're eight no, like we're playing West Haven. Everyone's got to go to the game." And now, do people then want to become part of this if they're incoming freshmen or sophomores, or maybe juniors going to be seniors? Yeah, I I think ultimately any any program, anytime you have success, um, you know, numbers generally sometimes will 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 help out uh you know but we have an expectation and 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 not everybody uh loves the sport enough to be part of that expectation and some people would rather be a manager or fan and you know we'll find ways for people to be involved if they want to be involved with the program um you know I, everybody always thinks like large school you should have large roster and that's not always the case you know when i first started here some of the rosters we've had you know, there, there's a reason why we've been in Division Two because our our rosters have been very similar in Division Two. Um, you know, little success last year and success this year. Now, the next thing you know, you know, our roster's growing a little bit. Now everybody's like, "Oh, you know, you guys should be playing this guy, this guy, this guy." And I'm like, "Hey, man, you know, you look at a 15 year record or, or even a 25 year history of our league. You know, I, I think um, Hamden and Cross were the two teams that had the lowest win percentage yes. uh, That's true. for a while. So hence why we were in Division Two for when we are. You know, our goal is to get out of it and eventually, you know, be able to step it up and and, and be able, be one of those perennial programs that um, has success year in and year out. And there's still things we need to do in our infrastructure to improve that, to make sure those things happen. Yeah. You know, you talk about uh, Division Two in, in the SEC, and, you know, we talked about the numerous hats you wear, right? You wear an athletic director hat, you wear the, the head football coach hat. You know, you're also part of the football committee uh, for the CIAC. Yeah. And it just seems like, you know, that 
kind of two different things are happening, right? In the SEC, you have schools that are moving up because of their success, schools being moved down to play smaller schools to, you know, hopefully help build the program back up. And then when you look at the the state, it's like, well, it doesn't matter where you are as long as your enrollment's high, you're in double L. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, like how do I, you try to figure I, out what's what and someone who's well, on the inside of a lot of this? Well, I uh, I was asked to be part of the football committee after the football season was canceled. So um, it, it was definitely an interesting time to to get on that. Uh, since then, I was part of a group to, to bring in the six divisions. And one of the reasons why I know Bowie's a hater of it because, you know, I, re- I read his stuff and he, he's always slamming it. But the thing is, ultimately, if we want to grow programs, we have to give kids the opportunity uh, to, to have a chance to go to the playoffs. In almost every other sport, it's 40% wins and you make the playoffs. We've, you know, I think back to West Haven last year was eight and two and they didn't go to the playoffs. If there was a 16 and four basketball team that didn't make the, the basketball playoffs, would there be outrage in our state? Yes. Absolutely. So it's the same equivalent of what's happening, you know, now. So we we try to open it up because leagues, uh, some leagues aren't going to change the way that they schedule. It's not going to be competitive-based scheduling. Uh, you started to see the SEC started it a while ago. We've been doing it. I think there's been some success at it. I think the CCC's slightly doing that right now. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just tough when each of the leagues is controlling the schedule uh, each league has a different model or what they feel is best for their their constituents. So therefore, having a state playoff system set on one criteria and all the leagues scheduling differently, it makes it tough. So then you go back, you know, with something like the district model, would that ever work? Maybe it would. Would people be willing to let go of the league scheduling if that happens? Um, I don't know. Uh, but ultimately, there's a lot going on, you know. Um, hopefully there's some things with the summer and out of season coaching that will be changing soon. That will also be able to help programs grow, um, not just in football, but, but all sports. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of different hats. Um, there are States that do it differently. There's, you know, socioeconomic indicators that some people use in the formula. There's other things that are like these secret formulas, like they got down in New Jersey that some guy made up that they can't share with anybody, but, you know, um, I don't know what the right answer is. I just think that towns and communities go through ebbs and flows like public high schools, and it's tough. I think, you know, um, you know, I, I listen to a lot of what you guys read and write, and I, I talk to a lot of coaches. And, you know, some people are like, well, you know, the privates and publics. Well, why or why is the tech schools in? You know, all these kids lift weights, all these kids do it, all these kids deserve an opportunity, no matter what school you go to. But how do you differentiate a school of choice with a tech school versus uh, a private school at Fairfield Prep? Or how do you do somebody that has a VOAG program and those things? So our school has so many nuances to it that I think uh, add to the complexity of the scheduling piece. And that's why each league does it a little bit different because they look at you know, all their parts and try to make it whole. And if you do that on a state level, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be ticked yeah. off. And I, well, I do you... think though, that they're very open-minded to ideas and suggestions, you know, Glenn and Greg, uh, 
you know, Glenn Longarini and Greg Simon are, are very open to suggestions and, and they're always for making sports better, whether it's football or any of the sport. Well, how, how, again, I, the, the, the point though, is that, you know, the league that everybody's playing a different schedule in the leagues and they're held to a different standard at the state level. What, what's yeah. happening at, like the I, SEC is going to schedule by power. The, you have a bunch of other leagues scheduling by power. Shouldn't the state just kind of, when we all get together and say like, look, here's the standard. We'll do it this way. Shouldn't we all mesh is really what I'm saying. Like if you, if the state's just going to do strict enrollment, then that's how the state should schedule the, the league should schedule. And I know that's yeah. difficult. And I know I, that there's a lot of things there, there, but go ahead. Tom. And, and again, I mean, is 900 students at one school similar to 900 students at another school. If I have defined borders versus somebody else, Right. So again, there's states that use multipliers and things like that. I just, you know, as far as our scheduling goes, I think one of the things Al and the scheduling committee does a good job of is, you know, th there's so many political forces pushing on things when you're making a football schedule and, oh, we're going to do this or this. I, I think trying to be fair to all of your teams is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Now, I hear what you're saying. You look at a team like Shelton, that's a hell of a football team that has some tough losses this year. One of the things I think that was put in uh, a year ago was that, that success modifier. And, you know, we're going to have probably two, there's a good chance that there's two five and five teams yeah. that might make playoffs. And, and there, there's a chance they're SEC teams. Yep. Now you look at both of those teams and there's going to be outrage or five and five. Then you look at their schedule and you're like, hell man, they played this team, this team, this team. Those are good football teams. So they are getting rewarded for playing a good schedule. Um, so there is some, some benefit to playing a stronger schedule. Um, as years passed, it used to really be apples and oranges you were comparing because this team played a bunch of good teams. This team didn't play anybody. This team went 7-3 with a great schedule. This team went 9-1 and one with a crummy schedule. They went in. I mean, like right now, we're, unde we're undefeated. And our strength of schedule is not as high as a one-loss Greenwich schedule at this point. No, right. Correct. And even if we went out, and you know what? That's fine. It is what it is. That's the schedule we were given. We play the games. It's, it's our responsibility to get in based on what we had. But, you know, when you make these schedules too, uh, Sean, it, they're not like made in August after you know who's coming back and who oh, transfers right. into a building. These things are made a, a year or so in advance or two years in advance. And you're, you're trying to be as fair as possible, equitable as possible, anytime you make any schedule, not just a football schedule. Do you do you think, though, because you, you mentioned, you know, before the success modifier and all that, the apples and oranges, I mean, I, I think they still exist with the NVL and the Pequod and even the CTC not being in the scheduling alliance. And say what you want about the scheduling alliance, but, you know, when you look at Class M and you got North Haven, who's 7-1, and one, I mean, they're having a great season, but you look at that schedule and you're like, you know, one thing goes wrong, they're they could be five and five on the outside looking in on, on an undefeated Pequot school, two undefeated tech schools. Teams they would and you're crush, like, and you're honest. like, they're not playing the same thing, you know, cause North Haven's yeah. a tier one football team in the SEC. Absolutely. And they've earned Absolutely. that. They've earned that themselves, but now they're Absolutely. playing in double M and you're like, I, I look, I saw Northwest United. I've seen Bullard Colby twice. I probably have seen Bullard Colby more than anyone else. Who's not on the coaching staff there. And like, they're a good program. Derek does a good job there, but they're not, the same as North Haven because yeah. of who they play, but they're playing for the same spot in the playoffs, the yeah. playoffs, I, playoffs. All right, Jim Mora. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think when you look at it, 
I mean, is the way that we're breaking down our divisions just based on enrollment going to be the best thing in the future? Mm. I don't know. I think we need data on the, what the six divisions looks like in a year or two. And I think you have to look at what are other things other states are doing and, you know, how do we change it from there? And again, it's something we have to evaluate. That doesn't mean I'm speaking like we're going to be changing something. It's not the case. But I think you have to look at it. And you really have to do a deep dive. A lot of things changed after COVID, obviously, programs and and the size of schools, like certain schools grew, certain schools shrunk, things yep. like that happened in, in certain communities. So with that, um, you, you have to evaluate it all. And each and every year you look at it, you, you get some data, and then, you know, uh, people look at it. I, I, you look at what basketball has done with the CIAC basketball divisions, and there's a formula there. And, you know, does that work for other sports? I don't know. Does it work for football? I don't know. But you need to have data to look at some things and, and look at it. But now with a first year I, of sixth division, you'll look at it. I think there's something to be said about not, I mean, I, you know, and I know a lot of the coaches want to have more opportunities. And, and you guys have said that about the divisions. And, I, and I'm fine with that. Um, I think there's a way to do it if you took the tech schools and the, because they're not all tech schools in the tech division. Let's be honest, there's only four strictly so you take all the schools that want to co-op i think they are there's 30 of them them and the tech schools there's 30 of them that's a division right there i think that'd be a great division you know how about making that instead of having six just you know randomly and then maybe pull out you know maybe you pull out some other stuff i don't know i really don't know tom i don't you know it I, sounds I have, like a good off-season article for you to get right yeah. no <laughs> believe like. me believe me i will be doing more on this because you know where i stand but here but you are actually in another unique position you have one of the most storied you know, Thanksgiving Day rivalries, and there's all talk about they want to go 16 teams. They want to start the playoffs uh, in like like they do in Massachusetts now. Massachusetts got rid of their Thanksgiving Day games, or they didn't get rid of them. They de-emphasize them, and a lot of coaches got really upset by that. A lot of rivalries kind of fizzled because who wants to play in the middle of a playoff run? But long story short, like they want to – there's – you know, and that's a system. It would just um, take away Thanksgiving. Now – Let's be honest. A lot of schools who are, are in in contention are scheduling further and further away from Thanksgiving, and only a handful are basically sticking to that that tradition. So, I mean, do you see if you, I mean you're at Hamden, so this is the Green Bowl. Like people are there going, "What do you got, Tommy? What do you, you want to yeah. get rid of this? You want to well, so you're in a tough spot, right? And where, yeah. where do we want to get I, rid of it? Do we? I mean, I know we. No, I, I first of all, I, you know, growing up in New Jersey, I also played in a Thanksgiving Day football game. Uh, you know. Four years high school right. and it, it's something special to, to do that we there was one year we did a um uh a wednesday night when uh, tom marcucci was the athletic director and, and that was interesting as well but it definitely took away from a little bit of the allure of you know thanksgiving morning uh again when you start looking at schedules and you see as many people that are not there's a lot of schools right now that are not playing on Thanksgiving morning. They're playing Wednesday right. night, Tuesday night, even Monday night. Which and is unfortunate. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. Like I what, think it's what's great going day. on. So, I mean, uh, to me, it comes down to, you know, what's best for you and your community. Uh, what, what matters the most to kids. And that's how I try to make decisions. You know, I, I love playing the green bowl at Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame would say the same thing. Um, it, it's always a great thing. It, it's a great game. A lot of families and old families, uh, whether they're from Notre Dame or Hamden, come back sport. And, and it's the same way in a lot of places. But there's also some people, um, you know, I, I know some of our Boots Club moms would love not to 
you know, get breakfast for our boys on Thursday morning. These are cooking for people coming over to our house and, you know, uh, the chain crew, your ticket takers and everybody that's working on a holiday. Um, so there's, there's a lot that goes to it. I think, you know, um, ultimately whatever direction the state goes in, you know, I, I'll, we'll be ready to, to move and do whatever we need to do because, uh, you know, playing Notre Dame is important to us here. And I think it's the same for Notre Dame uh, playing us. Um, so, you know, we, we love, we love playing on Thanksgiving right now. Um, but you know, it, it's something that could, could go by the wayside soon. And I, I don't know, you know, because I, I do, like I said, I, I look at who's playing who that week and, you know, somebody plays two or three days before you and you get them in the playoffs. It's like, they, they got a whole week to prepare. We got three or four days to prepare, right. you know, it's right. I mean, do you feel like the, it, the, 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 the sentiment is moving that way? I certainly do. I, I, I think uh, it's I really, I, I think it's community based, Sean. I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the towns like, you know, you talk to Tom Brockett and Ansonia oh, yeah. that, that Thanksgiving day football game is like very yeah. important. And there's other, you know, like Madison, uh, hand and Guilford have moved it to the, to the Wednesday night, you know, Shelton's not playing Derby. They're playing Xavier. I, I want to say on like Monday or Tuesday, I think. Yeah. Like a Tuesday night. Yeah. yeah Tuesday night. So you, you have, you have a lot of different things there. And again, as people change, uh, traditions tend to change. And that's what I think you're starting to see with a lot of these cases. Well, everything comes to an end at some point. I mean, I know there's a plenty of guys who are like there who would love to not see, would love to not get rid of it. And I'm one of those guys. I think we could still make it work. Uh, as long as we fix the scheduling, I think that's a major thing. We, we figure out a way to do that, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Tom, just real quick on West Haven. I mean, like this is two di- before we let you go, two different two district, old school district uh, uh, league powerhouses. Um, you know, last year you guys won with a lot of turnovers and pick six. Uh, you know, they're going to be coming for you. You know, you basically t- knocked them out of the playoffs. You know, how do you prepare your guys now? They kind of have the target on their backs uh, going into. I think the- ultimately, let's let's be real. It's inspirational what Richie Boucher is doing over there. Uh, what he's going through and the fact that he goes every day. Um, there's no leadership better than leadership by example and by Richie doing what he's doing, going every day to practice, being there for his kids. Um, I, I think that has a lot to do with their success this year for, for him modeling what he's doing and what he's going through to be there every day for his boys. Um, you know, they're a well-coached team uh, from the beginning of the year. Uh, they, they, they've been the best team I've seen on film all year. They're fast and physical. They come out, yeah, they can run the ball. They can throw the ball. Uh, their special teams are are tremendous. Um, so we really got our work cut out for us. Uh, I, I think they got a lot of, you know, all league, all state type players. And, you know, besides Richie, you know, I, I know like, you know, Tom Unger, the job he's done in, in you know, the absence of Rich and some days that Richie wasn't able to, to make it and, and what Tom has done to step up for his program. So, you know, a, a lot of credit to to the coaches over there and their players for for how well they're doing, because, uh, you know, they, they've they've worked to earn it. Yeah, it should be a great matchup. You know, I, I my first job when I got here was editor of the Hammond Chronicle back in 2000, you know, on Taj Hawthorne and, you know, later on, Jamison Davis and Josh Moore, who's now coach over at uh, O'Brien Tech. And I remember that those teams. And, uh, you know, West Haven was great back then. And there were some, even though Hamlet wasn't, they just lost Dodd, who graduated. But even there was time, every time they play West Haven, there was always, it was just a war. 
And, uh, you know, it was just a battle. And those kids all had a lot of, and the coaches had a lot of respect for each other too. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a old, old school battle. You know, we play in a lot of sports and, uh, it, we're very two similar school districts. And, uh, you know, I, I think we have a lot of respect for each other. Um, it should be a good, good old fashioned football game on Friday night. Well, thanks for giving a little time for us here. You know, giving your side of things. Uh, you know, it's interesting to hear the perspective. That you know, you, when we're Pete and I are sitting here, like scream from the rooftops that we don't normally get. So we appreciate you coming on, talking a little bit about that. I'm excited, a little SEC battle. You know, uh, I'm excited. Well, we'll mark it on the calendar. It's your like second game this year. You've been to the yeah. SEC. You know, you usually go to Nesback and all that other stuff. But hey, yo, I'm in a first day base with all the Shelton guys and the North Haven guys. It's just you know, just not the handed guys. That's all. You know, but it's 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 all right, boy. I, I know Pete likes us. Exactly. <laughs> we'll see what happens when he picks them. We'll see for the picks, right? It's all right. Listen, the rankings, all that stuff, doesn't matter to the last one that comes out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you guys are going to the playoffs. Uh, so this is all about seeding. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, but it's for a little bit of pride, too. So I'm anxious. I can't wait to go. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. But Tom, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, we'll see you out there on, uh, on Friday. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. You thanks. too. So, Pete, Tom Dyer, you know, we gave him a little uh, rebuttal, give us a chance to rebut some of our constant criticisms. And, uh, you know, and I, I understand where he's coming from. I do. I understand where these guys are coming from. I just think it's a little misguided. I don't they 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 want to increase the enjoyment of it or they want to get more kids involved. And I, I just don't think you need to. I think you can do some fundamentally different things uh, without just adding two more playoff rounds. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I it was nice to have Tom on to talk, obviously, the, the game against West Haven, which we're all looking forward to on Friday. But to get you know, another viewpoint, um, you know, we, I think we had a really good conversation with him about that stuff. Uh, me, I, I get his comparison of saying that an eight and two West Haven team last year should have been in the playoffs. I, I totally get that. Is six divisions the way of fixing that? No. Or the six divisions we have now, is that a way of fixing it? Technically, yes. I don't believe that's the right way. I think if we take one of those th six divisions, make it a co-op one, make it a, a tech school one, um, then I think that it kind of fixes the, the divisions of the other teams. You know, we're looking at a five and five team potentially getting into the playoffs here in double L at least. I mean, that's, that's not what this is about. You know, I, I, it's not okay. I, I just, I, that I, I can't stomach when we get to the postseason and, you know, it's basically like, let's say a five and five team gets in from the SEC in M or double M, let's say. A big hypothetical here, but they play against a, a Pequot school like SMSA who goes 10 and 0 in the Pequot. Well, that SEC school is probably going to beat that Pequot school, right? So, what we're basically telling them is that, okay, well, the regular season doesn't matter, right? Because you're going to go five and five, get into the playoffs, and you're going to beat the 10 and 0 team that, you know, worked in the regular season to go undefeated to get the number one seed to get a home game, but you're playing a team from the SEC. That makes no sense. No. And, it just kind of blows my mind that it was looked at, it was laid out and everyone was like, yeah, you know what? We should do this. This makes sense. I think I will give them this. I think this could be the beginning of a conversation to now refine what this should look like. That's what I'm hoping. I'm not going to hold my breath, but that's what I'm hoping is that, okay, this is the first step. And now we're going to start the process of refining this to be better. 
Um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. This is just me being positive. And if you listen to the show, I'm rarely positive. So um, that's just kind of my hope is, you know, we've said it before. If you look at the tech schools and the Pequots, that's what, 32 teams, I think you said, Sean. That'd be a great division in the playoffs. Um, and then you could take them out of the four. And maybe we go to five divisions. I don't know. I I just I hope this is the beginning of more conversations to fix this system because it's it is truly broken. With that said, Pete, what do we got on the Pickups podcast? We had a terrible, terrible week. Terrible. Yeah, shout out to the eight ball. But the games to pick this week, we're like we always do. We're starting up in the CCC. We got Weathersfield seven and one going to Middletown. The Blue Dragons are eight and two. Then in the ECC, we got a battle of four versus four. Fitch at East Lime. Then down in the NVL, Ansonia eight and zero going to Seymour to play the six and two Wildcats with quarterback Caden Dressick. in the Pequot. Rockville five and two was in the Class M finals last year. They're going to Cromwell, Portland, uh, Pearson Park. They're going to play the defending class S champions in the SEC. We talked about it at length. 8-0 Hamden at Ken Strong against the 8-0 Blue Devils. SWC Weston 3-4 at Notre Dame Fairfield 4-4. We got 6-2 Platt at 6-2 Bloomfield. Naugatuck 7-1 at Woodland in the Pino Trophy game, who's also 7-1. North Haven 7-1 at Fairfield Prep 5-3. And in the final game that we're picking this week, we got Joel Barlow at 7-1 and one going to New Milford to play the Green Wave, who are 5-3. and three. There are some conferences we didn't pick this week. The FCAC didn't really have a game that was worth picking uh, in terms of, like, coin flip kind of thing. So we kind of spread the love throughout the other conferences with the big matchups. Thank you, Pete. So uh, that is the uh, – so look forward to that every Thursday morning on Game Time CT. And uh... – uh, this is the last week of the all the everybody plays Friday night, and uh, we all f- scramble to figure out what happened the next day, week, and then it's on to the bye week and the extra games there, and then it's on to Thanksgiving, and uh, away we go. Can't wait. I'm all fired up. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tom Dyer, for joining us and giving a little. I'm excited about that game, giving us a little uh, pump, pumping that game up a bit, and uh, that's that's it. Let's get out of here, Pete. So for him. I'm me. This has been the Meat Grinder on Game Time CT. Love you all.